You are listening to the Not Just Numbers podcast, a conversation with mathematicians on their work and their lives to get to know them and discuss common biases and misconceptions. Hello, everybody, to the podcast Not Just Numbers, where we talk with the people behind mathematics. My name is Marit van Straten, and I'm here today with... My name is Marcello Seri. <laughs> May I record again? You can see this is the first edition <laughs> yeah. of the podcast, and you can see we are still learning how to do this. I am associate professor at the Bernoulli Institute and work on differential geometry. Together with Marit, we worked on this podcast that is to expose the people behind mathematics at our institute and use this to perhaps um, lower the curtain on who mathematicians are, what they do, and uh, discuss together some of the stereotypes that are so common when people think about mathematics and mathematicians. So, Marit, you said who you are, Yes, but you didn't say what you do and uh, where no. you come from. Uh, I'm Dutch. Uh, I'm currently a master's student in mathematics with the specialization in algebra and number theory. Uh, most of the time I'm working on my master thesis at the moment. And besides a bachelor in mathematics at the Jewish University, I have also completed a bachelor in chemistry at this university. Um, so that makes me 25 years old. I'm a little bit older than most of the master's students, but with more experience in the academic world. You said you do algebra and geometry, right? Yes. What does it mean? Um, so basically, algebra focuses on polynomials. Uh, so my master research at the moment, when I try to explain it to people, I tell them that I try to see whether a polynomial has a solution that is just in uh, rational numbers, so A over B, for instance. Uh, so that's the stuff that I do. But Marcello, what is your daily life about? What I do as a researcher is a subset of differential geometry called Subramanian geometry. On real life terms, I study what kind of motion objects that have some constraint on the way they can move uh, can have. What does it mean? Think about your bicycle, since we are in the Netherlands. You can, uh, of course, slide your bicycle because you can lift it from the ground. But if you think just about the movement of the bicycle, the bicycle, the bicycle can only go backward and forward and perhaps follow the wheel when you turn the wheel. And so if I want to slide in somewhere using this constraint that comes straight from the bike itself, I need to make a number of maneuvers. Right. And yes. uh, what I studied tell me, can you actually do it? Is it possible with some maneuvers to get there or you are stuck somewhere? Okay. A different yeah. place where you could use this is robotic arms or you could use it if you want to move a satellite from one place to the other. But uh, don't get me wrong, I do nothing <laughs> of these things. I do the abstract theory that describe this. And in fact, also how knowing the motion of the physical object can tell me something about the motion of waves in the same space and vice versa. If I know something about the motion of these waves, like if I draw in a, a stone, how they ripple, oh. then can I say something about what kind of motions could I've had uh, from my physical object in the same space from the get going? So that sounds very, very interesting. <laughs> of well, course, I followed a few courses with you, which were also very, very interesting. Well, thank Would you maybe like to share how you got into this kind of mathematical research? Yes, so I got into mathematics late during secondary school. I did like it for the whole of secondary school, but I had lots of interest in general in science and computer science. 
I can't say that I was sure I would do math until really the last year. And then we had meeting with professors from the university and they came to our school. Our teacher organized uh, this seminar where they were telling us uh, about the research. In this case, it was professor talking about relativity and gravitational lenses. So this phenomenon that if I have a very heavy galaxy and there is a star behind, then light is bent and you don't see, and you see the star behind, but in fact, you see many copies of this star, depending on where the light passed. And uh, they were explaining how the mathematics that you do in university is not really solving exercises like it's cool, but it's about studying the structures and functions that can describe how this thing actually happens. And it got me going. And then we had this period visiting the university and I just uh, became very much into it. But then I, I went doing something completely different. And uh, the reason is that while doing courses, I realized that there were various aspects of mathematics that I can, in particular, like topics where I could see many different branches of mathematics interacting together. Yeah. And it was really about seeing them uh, out of their comfort zone and how they moved that resonated with me. And so that's how I ended up uh, with my path. But it was very thoughtless. It's not straight. Yeah. I, I go and do that. No, I did that and then I did my PhD in something else. And then I did my postdoc in something else. <laughs> and in the meantime, I started working with people uh, uh, for reasons that perhaps one day we will talk about. And then suddenly I arrived doing what I'm doing now. So it was everything but a straight line from right. starting to Yeah. But what about you? Um, yeah, so as I said before, I started studying chemistry here. Uh, and also the same like in high school at the end of the final year, you have to decide what you're going to do. And I knew that I really liked um, like sciences, like natural sciences. And I went to a lot of open days. I saw a lot of presentations about different types of studies, but none of them really resonated with me. Um, and at that point, I thought that sustainability was very interesting. And therefore, I started studying chemistry because, well, there was a green chemistry track um, where you can work on sustainable catalyzation and other topics in that field. Um, but after the first year, I found out that it was not a great match. I was not very interested in most of the courses. They did not really, yeah, fuel my, my ambition in the field. And hence, I did not really know what other study would really suit me. So I decided to continue studying chemistry as I did want to study and I didn't uh, know what else to do. And then after my second year, I did a board year at the uh, study association for chemistry and chemical engineering. And uh, that gave me some space to really get back from the constant cycle of classes, homework, exams, classes, homework, exams, some labs in between. And uh, to really reflect on what I like, what my strengths are. And it gave me a little bit of time to do some courses from other studies. And I thought, whoa, I've always really liked mathematics. But during my final year in high school, I was not really that interested in pursuing a mathematics degree. But I was like, oh, well, let's try some mathematics courses. And I basically followed the whole first year. And I found that they were very interesting. They really uh, got me going. I was super yeah, ambitious and very passionate about them. And I was like, wow, this is what studying should be like. Uh, and then I took a long time to think whether I was going to change basically my major. Uh, and then I decided to do it, took two extra years. And now I'm super content in the mathematics master. I'm really happy that I make that switch. 
So that is how I ended up here. <laughs> oh, that's a wonderful story. And uh, yeah. I, I can understand how hard it must be to, to decide, to reflect on yourself and to decide that you want to change and try to do something else. Yeah. That's must have taken lots of bravery. It was a big decision. Was it always that clear for you that you wanted to pursue like a PhD and a postdoc or did you have some doubts? No, I had doubts. It's hard in the sense that uh, when I started studying mathematics, because the reason I started were these people that inspired me and they were academics, I thought I would do uh, an academic career. Okay. And then uh, halfway through my academic career, when we were our first child, I just thought that I want stability. That's at that moment wasn't something that I could get from a uh, academic career. Okay. And so yeah. it, I actually left the university and went to work for an industry. And I remember the struggle there because it's, it's not just the first two years of studying, but it's like 10 years of studying that you're saying, okay, now I put this on the side and I move somewhere else. Yeah. So uh, Was that a hard decision to make? Uh, it was. I, it ended up being rewarding in the sense that I liked my job, I loved my team, so I'm not regretting having taken the decision. And <laughs> I came back to university afterwards for other reasons. But it was hard. Even though all the people that supported me were actually very supporting of the decision and understanding why I was taking it. When you leave mathematics, it's always meant as once you're out of academia, you're out. And uh, and then somehow it felt like I was failing all the people that supported me up until then. Oh, yeah. And so, and, you know, this is personal in the sense that they were supportive. So I don't think they felt failed by that, but it's... Uh, I can Somehow imagine this that moment where you have to sit down and reflect, right? I can imagine that it must feel that way because people put a lot of time and uh, effort for your career and then you decide to, well, not throw it all away, but to decide to do something else. Yeah. But uh, I really enjoy that we both had to go through this because it somehow shows that it's actually not that bad to actually change and reflect on what you want and when you want to go and not it doesn't all. have to be no. straight. Yeah. I'm also a teaching assistant sometimes for courses and I try to tell first year students that you can also follow courses from other studies to see whether that would suit you, whether that would be interesting to you. I didn't know that until I was a third year and I went to an academic advisor and he told me, well, you can just follow some mathematics courses. I was like, oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> Why didn't I know that before? Um, and that's, I think that really helps people also the multidisciplinary Part of academia is very important, I think. Also what you said, but then within mathematics, different kind of aspects of the field that are combined together. Yeah, so that is something that I'm really positive and glad about. That, uh, that's a step that I took. Yeah. I'm really glad you are telling that. I think it's true that sometimes you don't know that you can, and that's actually what's blocking you, right? Yeah. And yeah. uh, I think perhaps uh, we should discuss then why this podcast, because part mm -hmm. of the reason of this podcast is that we want to tell people why some of the things they believe about mathematics and math are actually not what they are in reality. They are completely wrong. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I also get a lot of questions like, what do you do when you study mathematics? What do you research when you study mathematics? Like, what is your master thesis about? Stuff like that. And... I think it would really be helpful to shine a light on who mathematicians are, that we're not just very grumpy, old, antisocial people. It might be a picture that some people have in mind, probably not all people. And what we do, what, what a mathematician's job is, basically. 
yeah, indeed. <laughs> what, the, what our offices look like, what our <laughs> daily life is, knowing that we actually have a life outside our offices. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting. We have a few nice guests lined up and I'm really, uh, yeah, looking forward to the next couple of episodes. Yeah, indeed. I'm really thrilled, actually. Um, let's see what comes out of it and what they do and how well we, we learn how to do this thing and, and to both host and edit this podcast. I think I'm, I'm really excited and scared about that. Yes, same. <laughs> <laughs> so going back to the podcast, one of the questions that actually made me think of the podcast in the first instance was, I think we discussed this the other day, you were in that course, like was in analysis on manifold. Yes. And probably after one homework or something, and somebody said uh, something on the line, we are not like you, we don't know in advance how to solve all the exercises on the spot. And I was there like, what do you really think this of us? It takes a week at least to prepare your homework. So is this some kind of uh, idea that comes out very often in the student, the fact that we already know how to solve things and we already know things? For me personally, yes. Especially when I was younger. Uh, so the first in the bachelor, actually the whole bachelor, I would feel like the professors are these all-knowing beings. They would be able to solve everything, answer all your questions, anything that you're struggling with, they would know how to solve almost immediately. But now that I'm older and I've also had a few conversations with you, of course they know how to solve it because they've made the exercises. And I think as a student, you don't realize that there is uh, also a struggle when you're even a, a mathematician yourself, that it doesn't come naturally all the time. And I think that's very important to uh, highlight because for speaking for myself, it would make me insecure sometimes. Math is very good at making you feel dumb. <laughs> and uh, I felt dumb a lot of times, even though you should not feel dumb. It's okay to struggle and to find things hard. Yeah, I love what you're saying right now. <laughs> I think the first uh, lecture when I was teaching uh, calculus and chemistry was exactly so how to study math. And literally the first thing I told them is just do the exercise and get stuck. Yeah. And once you do, talk to each other. Because it's really about failing so many times that finally you crack it open and you figure out how to do it. Yes. So I really love that. Thanks for the comment. Yeah. And um, I wanted to ask you one other... Oh, I turned around. I shouldn't do it's this okay. with a microphone. Um, I wanted to ask you if you think about um, your career as a student from when you start until now, what was the thing that surprised you the most? The thing you, you arrived with some preconception and then suddenly you realized that it was completely different? I think mostly the way that you have to study. In high school, you're being told you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to be here and there. And when you start university, of course you have classes, but a lot of it is self-study. You have to read everything. There's no mandatory reading that you have to do. There are a few exercises to help you along, but it's up to you to decide when it's going to be enough what else do you want to learn? And I think I really like that aspect of university because at high school, I also felt very caged in a way, like this is what you're gonna do and that's what that's it. And at university, like if you're ambitious, if you really like a certain field, you can get into it more. There's way more freedom. And that was something that I did not really expect when started studying. And also maybe the way that studying together helps your study 
in chemistry, I immediately had a nice group of friends, which was wonderful. We worked together on problems. It went great. Everybody uh, was able to pass most of the classes because we worked together. Uh, for mathematics, when I started, I had no friends. I knew nobody in my classes. Then Corona came along, didn't help at all. And I struggled so hard. And then in the end of the second year, I made a few friends. We were able to work together to say, oh, I'm struggling with this. Have you tried that? Maybe. And it helped so much. It really made studying so much easier, so much more fun. And I learned so much more working together with other students than working by myself. And that is also something that I didn't really think about at first when I started studying. But having had both experience, both with friends and without, I can see that there's a clear advantage to working together with your peers. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. Yeah. In fact, I mean, if you ask me why I do this, a big part of it is the social aspect. And I, I really don't like working alone. But the moment yeah. I am with other people in front of a board, throwing ideas, getting uh, disappointed that they don't work, yeah. and trying again over and over, and uh, perhaps while we're working back home, figuring out the right way of doing it, somehow it's... I don't know, it's uh, it's the reward at the end of the chase, I guess. It's uh, get disappointing for long and then suddenly you have this peak of yep. adrenaline and uh, you you have not just enjoyed working together, but you also have this reward. You did it together, you finally cracked it and you figured it out. I really recognize this feeling and I think a lot of other mathematicians will also recognize it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's also with, um, right now I'm at towards the end of my master's, I hope to be done by the summer. And I had to decide whether I want to pursue a PhD or not. And at first for me, it felt like a PhD would be very solitary. You would do your own stuff, work mostly on your own projects, maybe have a couple of meetings with your supervisor. Um, but I've been told to be wrong about that. Do you agree or? Uh, that's a very good question. I agree and I disagree. So it's, I don't think it's lonely if I think about my experience in the sense that I always had office mate to talk about when I was stuck on something or I was unsure about something and my supervisor, uh, but my supervisors, I was in a joint project, uh, were all uh, very supportive and uh, very responsive when I had doubts, but it's different from teamwork. So the point of the PhD somehow is to grow you into becoming your own researcher and grow your own research line and understand how it works to do research and how to adapt and deal with it somehow because it's also an emotional process getting uh, used to not take it on yourself each time you fail for example is a big part of it I think but uh, so where I want to go is that your project somehow is your project it's very hard that there are many people working on the same thing with you and so at that stage it's you that have to put the work you that have to figure it out you that have to write it down you that have to write the thesis so there is a big lolling component that is you are going to be the expert of that and you only in your office, most likely. Yes. So from that point of view, I disagree what you say. There is a part that is uh, lonely. And if we ask PhD students around, we had a discussion recently, in fact, they kind of agree that working in a team is different than being able to discuss some of the things they do with their uh, office mates or the other PhD in their course. Yeah, right. Yeah. But uh, uh, on the other end, if you like the experience of research, I think it's the important step to then uh, 
go and build your collaboration and uh, work with other people on these topics. This can happen also during your PhD. That's so. true. Very interesting insight, actually. <laughs> I've never thought about it that way. But yeah. I think actually this makes me wonder, perhaps we should consider one of the episodes of this series to be about the PhD, right? I, what it's like, what are the struggles? Or what? I think so, yeah. For me, at least, it would be very interesting. I would definitely have a lot of questions about it. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> so stay tuned because that's going to be one of the episodes this season. Yeah. Can I ask you one more question? It's related to something that you said before. So you did a PhD, if I understand correctly, and then you went into the industry, basically. Mm -hmm. How did you come back into academia? Oh, I think it was luck, to be honest. But uh, so what happened is that uh, we were we had settled in England, but then uh, uh, we decided that we wanted to leave the country because we didn't like the change of atmosphere. And just so it happened that when I started looking at jobs abroad, there is this advertisement for a position that has exactly my background. And some people that uh, I was in contact with also forwarded this to me. Ah. And so it just happened. And then, in fact, my first response was to forward the announcement to other friends that I knew were looking and not consider it for myself. Oh, really? Yeah. And then one day just said, okay, but you know, what's what's the worst get, that can happen? I can just have a free trip to the Netherlands, see what it is. Really fun. <laughs> I, I've never been here. No. No, oh. that was yeah. just uh, an excuse to go. And I wasn't even sure if I would take the job or not. Yeah. Nothing to lose, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, we did it and somehow it turns out well. And then I took weeks, we discussed with my wife, should we do, should we not? We are settled here. Are we really serious? Our kid is young, so we can move. But on the other end, we are relocating with the kid. It was, yeah, it was a long back and forth. I think I changed my mind 50 times before deciding. Uh, but then in, we decided, okay, let's see what happens. I mean, what the worst that can happen is that it doesn't go well and they go back to industry. That's true. Of course, you can always go back. But I'm really glad that you made the decision because I think you're a really nice professor. I followed a few of your courses and I'm really happy that uh, you're also content with your decision. Thank you <laughs> Most <very> important, <laughs> of course. Well, I did it because I knew that I liked the job. Life in a company and a university is quite different. And there are pros and cons in both. But one thing that I missed was the contact with the student. Right. And the, the dynamism that this brings, because every year is different. You might find lots of very interesting people and uh, you can watch them grow. You can see what they're doing afterward. Uh, you can believe you might have made a difference there. So I know that part I actually missed. Yeah. And that's this job is perfect for that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I agree with that. Yeah. We've talked a lot about mathematics. But because in this podcast, we also want to shine a light about the people behind mathematics. Can you tell a little bit about what you do outside of being a mathematician? <laughs> so I play a lot with my computer, probably way too much. <laughs> um, I sometimes now very rarely play music. I like a lot going hiking and walking around. And uh, recently, now that our kids are older, we started also going all together in the various bosses that we have here around. Yeah, Antony. really pretty. It's actually very nice. I do miss a lot the mountains. I can imagine. I agree. Another thing that I picked up over the pandemic and I love doing it is baking. Like breads? Yes. Or... Oh. Well, I used to bake pizza a lot, 
but now also like bread, brioche, croissant. I even oh. panettone twice. In fact, three times. One was the luck of the beginners because it went very well and it was delicious and it was the first time I did it. Although I computed wrong the time. So this is, let's, uh, let's talk about a myth. Mathematicians know how to make computations. So I just had to check at what time I should finish with my panettone so that I, at seven in the morning, I could just do the second uh, mixing. And of course I did it wrong. So I had to wake up at 4 a.m. to <laughs> <laughs> But it was wonderful. And then I did it again, and it was a disaster. Oh, I had no. to throw it away. And the third time was an in-between. So I hope this year it's going to get better. <laughs> but I somehow love it. I love, love way to see how it tries. I actually bought a book on like yeasts and how they work, and how the whole process works, what is the chemistry and the biology of it. I mean, it's a living being. It's wonderful. It's really nice, yeah. And what do you do outside, Matt? I also really like hiking and walking. Uh, I did the uh, Nijmeegse Vierdaagse, which is a four days marching event in the Netherlands. Oh, wow. where you walk uh, 40 kilometers as a woman, as a man, you walk 50 every day for four consecutive days. Uh, it was the second time. I also did it last year. It was really fun. Uh, and I also like hiking in the mountains, but I've not been this year. Last year I went, it was beautiful in the Alps. <laughs> Besides that, I like to do reading. I like just to exercise, swimming, running, just the basic stuff, I guess. <laughs> I've also taken up crocheting during the pandemic. I've made a sweater. I'm busy with making another sweater, but coming back to the theme of mathematicians cannot really count. I counted wrong and now it's going to be a very big sweater. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to finish it anyway because it would be a shame of all the time I've put into it. Yeah, I also like baking, but then more uh, the sweet stuff. So like pies and cakes. And I think that is what I do besides studying mathematics. Just a curiosity, how much do you have to train for the four days marathon? So you walk, it's not a, like you walk the distance of almost a marathon, but uh, you don't run it. You have to walk like every other weekend i think and then at least 30 kilometers of course you like try to build it up like you start with 15 then 20 then 30 40 but it's more about letting your body get used to walking for that long uh, we also do i did it with my sister and my dad and we did it for two consecutive days we just went away for a weekend walked two whole days um, because you need to get used to so that you don't get blisters and that you don't get a knee injury for instance uh, so it takes a lot of time. That's also why I'm not going to participate this year because I'm writing my master thesis. And if I lose uh, a day of the weekend every other weekend, uh, I don't have that much time for all my other hobbies and my social life. But I will definitely do it in like a couple of years again. Yeah. If you like walking and you also like a challenge, I would really <laughs> advise you to try uh, to maybe see whether it would also be suitable for you to participate. Well, per perhaps I will consider it for the future. For now, I'm not yet sure. <laughs> you know, you got me worried for a second. You said, I, if, I, if I get a, a weekend day off a week, then what I'm going to do? And I, I feared you were saying if with my master's thesis. <laughs> thankfully, you were talking about social activities. Thank yeah, you. no. <laughs> no, I tried to keep the weekends off. That's, That's uh, a very good attitude. Yeah, I've had to learn the hard way. But um, yeah, I think when you're a student, it's very easy to also work on the weekends. 
also probably when you're a researcher or a yeah. professor. Uh, but I try to keep a, a hard boundary in that. That yeah. is very good. I think for us, it takes a lot of training because we are trained to work all the time and then we understand that that's not sustainable and then we have to work against it to start learning how to do everything in the eight hours a week, yeah, 40 hours a week. Yes. <laughs> I wish it was eight. Yeah, if only. If people are interested in math, when do you think they should pursue a study in mathematics? That's a tough question. I think it's the, if they feel that it's something they like, then they should definitely go and try. Yeah, I and, agree. Uh, if they have curious, at least they should come and see what it's like because yeah. it's nothing like what they see in school. And I hope in the next episodes of the podcast, they figure yeah. it out. And also um, for me personally, why I did not study mathematics at first, one of the aspects was that I thought that I would need a 10 on the final exam. I did not do too well on the final exam due to stress and other stuff. And I thought, okay, then I'm not good enough to study mathematics. That's not the reason why you should not study mathematics. If you're okay in mathematics, but you really like it, you're passionate about it, and you're willing to put in the time, then I think if you're interested in mathematics, then try to study mathematics. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, this is really about something you enjoy doing, and uh, it's not about being more mathematician. It's about putting in the effort and uh, struggling enough with it so that you basically understand it at some point, or at least a small part of it. Yeah, <laughs> a very small part. Very small part. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's not very different from uh, climbing or playing with Legos when you don't follow the instruction. You have lots of blocks or you have lots of hangs for your hands. You know where you want to go. You want to build a house or a plane or you want to reach the top of the mountain. And then you're just having to figuring out a way. Yeah. And, uh, Basically, it's the same where the blocks are the various things we are learning and uh, where you want to go is not necessarily so clear. That's a very good analogy. <laughs> <laughs> I've never thought of it that way, but it works perfectly. Yes. Well, I would say that for the first episode that was supposed to be 15 minutes, we are already 30 yes. minutes. <laughs> so perhaps we should call it a day. And uh, thank everyone for listening. Thank you, Marit, for joining me. Yeah, this, thank you, Marcello. Uh, and let's see where it goes. This podcast is produced at the University of Groningen.